Our first daughter was born on a Sunday morning in March. In just three quick weeks, she'll be 17. Wow. When we found out we were going to have a girl, I picked up my Nextel flip phone. All of you in your 40s and 50s will remember those days. I dialed the familiar number to call my mom, and I could not wait for her to answer. When she did, I shared the news. Hey, Mom, we just came from the doctor, and we found out we're having a baby girl. You're going to have another granddaughter. That made three little grandgirls. When we left the doctor's office after the sonogram for our second child, I wanted to have a little fun with my mom. Now, she probably didn't think it was fun at all, and looking back, it wasn't. We were driving away from the office, and I reached for my smartphone. We are moving up in the world, and Mom answered. Hey, Mom, we're leaving the doctor's office. We just had the sonogram. We found out if we're having a boy or a girl. Now, gender reveal parties weren't quite trendy in 2009. I didn't know you could fill a balloon with pink or blue powder, shoot a crossbow at it, and let the world know on social media if your baby was going to be an Alex or an Alexis. We just found out. We told the family. The family told the world. And Mom was excited to find out if we were going to have a baby boy or baby girl. So she asked, well, what are you having? Are you having a boy? Are you having a girl? And I had a little fun with mom. I said, we are having, so I just wanted to call and let you know. We're so excited. Wait a minute. Hang on. You broke up right there. Say it again. Are you having a boy or a girl? We're leaving the office. We just had the sonogram and they are absolutely sure that we are going to have a bit. So I just wanted to call you and let you know. You're the first person we called. Now we're going to hang up. and We're going to call her family now. You broke up again. I couldn't hear your boy or girl. No, I'm just kidding, Mom. We're having a girl. I know. I'm a wicked man. We were so excited. Our family of three was growing to a family of four. Now I just needed to find a boy dog to help even the guys versus gals ratio a little in our house. Now that's our story. And if you're still listening, great is your mercy toward me. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to LJ Harry, and you're listening to Give and Take on Simplify. I would love to know how that conversation went between 99-year-old Abraham and 90-year-old Sarah when she realized she was finally carrying a son at 90. Genesis 21 opens up with, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for her what he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Just as sure as God promised, he performed on that promise. And Abraham and Sarah marked the days on their Ur of the Chaldees National Bank wall calendar until the baby boy was born. They called him Isaac, which means laughter. Hey, you'd laugh too if you were trying to raise a newborn at 90. I think I would cry. But God performed exactly what he promised, exactly when he promised. They just needed to keep their faith and keep remembering there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Everything was finally looking up for this faithful family. Abraham and Sarah were blessed with Isaac. He was definitely the golden boy. God was going to use Isaac to give Abraham more grands and great-grands and great-great-grands than sands on the sea. They loved Isaac. They doted on Isaac. They taught Isaac that there is only one God, and he is the creator of heaven and earth. They told Isaac the story about how God promised him to them 25 years earlier. And then in a normal day in Abraham land, God spoke again to Abraham Abraham gladly answered because the last time God spoke, he promised him a son. What would he promise this time? Another son? A daughter? Dr. Scholes? 
But this time God tested Abraham. When he spoke, he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains where I will tell you. I'm sorry, Lord, you're breaking up. Could you repeat that? I thought you told me to sacrifice my son, the one you gave me, the one we waited 25 years for, the one who was supposed to give me so many grands and great-grands and great-great-grands. I can't keep track of them all, much less keep up with them all. I'm sorry. You must have said something other than what I thought you said. But God said what Abraham thought he said. And the very next line in the story reads, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. Abraham, Isaac, and Abe's servants packed their stuff. Abe told Sarah, he and Isaac were going to go on a father-son trip. Oh, that's sweet. You and your dad are going to have some quality time together. That's one way of saying it. Then they started marching. God didn't tell Abraham what he had planned. He didn't tell him why he wanted Isaac as a sacrifice. This all seemed so wrong. This wasn't like God. God doesn't ask for his people's children as a sacrifice, but Abraham was sure he heard the voice of God. It sounded just like it sounded every other time before. They walked for three days, and God was silent. And suddenly God spoke again and told Abe, That's the mountain. This was it. Abraham wished it was do or die, but it was do and die. He told the servants to stay put. He and Isaac were going to go to the mountain and worship. Then they were both coming back. Abraham had every right to say, Fellas, Isaac and I are going to go to the mountain to question God, to plead with God to change his mind, to bargain with God, to exchange one of you for him. I'll exchange three of you for him. We're going to go to the mountain. We're going to ask God, why am I going through this? Why are you asking me to do this? But he didn't. He just took Isaac by the hand and walked together, father and son, toward a mountain in Moriah to worship the God who just asked for Isaac's life. Now, when I was a kid, I remember reading a children's book about this story, and that's hard for kids to read. I was worried any time we headed to the mountains of West Virginia to visit my grandfolks and Uncle Dean. Are we going to the mountain mountain? Keep your eyes on that rearview mirror. If Dad gets that look in his eyes, I'm out of here. That children's book made Isaac look like he was about six. He might have been, but it's more likely he was at least a teenager, maybe even a grown man. He was carrying a bundle of wood up a mountain. That's not easy for a first grader. And as he and his dad climbed the mountain in Moriah, Isaac got curious. He started taking inventory. Dad, I think we forgot something. We've got wood. We'll make a fire, but we... (laughs) We don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham, full of faith, calmly said, God will provide himself a lamb. Yes, he will, Abraham. Yes, he will. They reached the summit. Isaac unloaded the wood onto the ground. They built the altar together. Then Abraham got a crazed look in his eye, and Isaac got a curious look in his. Dad, what are you doing? Abraham wrapped his son's hands in rope. Then he tied his legs together with rope. He lifted his promised son onto the altar he and his son just built. Isaac had to be wondering, what in the world is going on? I'm never going on a father-son trip again without a strict itinerary. But Isaac didn't run. He was younger, stronger, much faster than his centenarian dad. He could have run down the mountain, run past the servants, run all the way home and told his mom, I'm never going anywhere with him again. But he didn't. He just laid there 
on the altar because he trusted his dad, trusted God. Abraham slipped the knife out of the sheath and he raised it to heaven over Isaac. And just as he was about to sacrifice his promised son, he heard heaven. This time God called the whole thing off. Abraham sighed, Isaac sighed, a ram gulped. And an angel of the Lord said, Now I know that you fear God because you are willing to give God the one who matters most to you. You are willing to give him your only son. Abraham looked around the top of the mountain and saw a ram caught in a thicket of thorns. He couldn't get loose, and Abraham knew what he needed to do. He let Isaac go. That was close. Then he used the same rope to wrap up the ram, and he offered the ram to God as a sacrifice instead of Isaac. Then Abraham and Isaac nodded, headed back down the mountain, found the servants playing Duck, Duck, Bullock, and they all headed home with a possible warning from Abraham to Isaac, Don't tell your mom. Now this story doesn't make a lot of sense until it does. God was about to trust Abraham to be the father of the faithful, the head of the entire Jewish people. God's chosen, called out people would trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham. When they wanted to know what kind of faith do you have, they would trace their lineage and say, do you have faith like Abraham? Are you able to listen for the voice of God and hear and heed the voice of God like Abraham? God was testing Abraham, so he and Abe would both know that nothing mattered more to Abraham than hearing and heeding the voice of God. And Abraham got a glimpse into the beautiful facet of the nature of God, that God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides. But this was even more than that. God was giving a glimpse into another day, over a thousand years in the future, when another son would willingly climb a mountain simply because his father told him to. And there he would lay down his own life. But this time, there was no voice from heaven to stop the nails, no ram in the thicket to take his place. On that mountain, God took our place. And God kept the promise Abraham unwittingly promised that one day God would provide himself a lamb. Whatever God is asking you to give, you have to understand he gave it in the first place. Maybe God is calling your grown kids and their family to a missions field in a dangerous part of the world. You know he gave you your kids, but you don't want him to take them there. But you have to trust if he gave them to you, he knows how to take them there and take care of them there. Maybe God is calling you to give him the scholarship to business school where you would get a great degree and make a lot of money, but he's calling you to plant a church, and he wants you to know how to lead and feed his people more than he wants you to make a big name and even a bigger salary for yourself. Learn a lesson from Abraham. If he gave you what he gave you in the first place, he can take it. He can use it for his glory and he will take care of you all along the way. God didn't just tell us to give. 2,000 years ago on a mountain on a dark day in Jerusalem, he showed us how. I want us to pray right now. If God is calling for you to give him something, and it's a sacrifice, whatever it is, trust God knows what he's doing. Trust God is able to take what you give him and use it for his glory and take care of you in the process. Lord Jesus, we trust you. I could not imagine what Abraham went through, could not imagine what he and Isaac thought and what they dealt with and went through, but they trusted you. I Help us to trust you. 
Help us to have the faith of Abraham and the faith of Isaac that whatever you have given us, you can take it and you can use it for your glory. I pray today, Jesus, help every one of us to be willing to give you what matters most to us and ask you to use us and use it and use whomever and whatever you can for your glory. Help us not to keep a tight fist on anything you give us, but rather help us to open our hands, open our hearts, and allow you to use all the gifts you have given to us for your glory and for this beautiful, holy cause of making disciples. I ask you for this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. I hope this has been a blessing and a help to you, especially if God is calling you to give something or someone to him for his glory. And it's a sacrifice. You can trust him. He will take care of them and take care of you. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to share. That way you'll never miss an episode. And head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. Use promo code SIMPLIFY at checkout. And if you've not used it before, you'll save 10% off your entire order. You can pick up the devotional Simplify that launched this podcast. And you can pick up 10 words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments to use as you study what do the Ten Commandments mean for them, mean for us, and how do we live it out in our day. That's also available on Amazon for Kindle. And if you live in the Knox County, Mount Vernon, Ohio area, you can find signed copies at a charming bookstore called Paragraphs at the corner of South Main and East Ohio. Head on over there. You can pick up both of those books and resources right there. Next week, we continue walking through the story, this book of beginnings. And I want to share with you, let me give you a little disclaimer. I'm not a huge fan of puns or dad jokes, but I'm going to lighten up a little bit, take myself a little less seriously. And this next episode is called Wombmates. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Hopefully that's the last of the dad jokes. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with our Jesus as we walk through Simplify.